What's up, everybody? We have made it to the final episode of this series on Revelation and what is to come. It has been a journey and a blessing, to say the least. I have learned to dig deeper and understand God's Word in a more powerful way. I hope that it has been a blessing for you as well. This is the only book of the Bible that Jesus specifically says you will be blessed for reading, studying, and sharing with others. He also pronounces a blessing on all those who keep the words of this book of prophecy. So Jesus himself is saying, don't be afraid of this book. Instead, embrace it and be be blessed by it. Let's jump in and wrap up our study on this fascinating book that is full of grace and mercy. The interesting thing about grace and mercy is they are not important or significant without judgment or wrath. If there is no condemnation and judgment for anything, if there is no fear of God's judgment or wrath, then there is no need for grace or mercy. The power of grace and mercy exists because God is a holy and righteous God, just in all that he does. Therefore, wickedness and sin are in opposition of who he is and must be judged or punished. So when God extends grace and mercy, knowing that we deserve his wrath, or when we make stupid decisions and don't listen, and we know that uh, that we deserve what is coming, yet he spares us through his grace and mercy, we then can better appreciate the heart of the Father and the love that he has for us. People read this book and immediately see judgment and wrath, but fail to see that it is the opposite side of the same coin. It is because of that judgment that we can appreciate the grace and mercy of God when it is extended to us. That is why I say this book is filled with grace and mercy, you know, the grace and mercy of a loving God who makes every effort through his judgment to wake up the lost before it is too late. With that being said, John picks up in chapter 22, describing something not seen since the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. Now, verse 1 through 2 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down right down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This river gives us immortality, essentially, and it shows us that all life flows directly from the throne of God and Jesus. Eternal life and life in general have one source, and that is God, and through Jesus it is extended to us. This river is crystal clear and is more pure than anything we have ever known. And that's kind of symbolic of its being crystal clear, its purity. So all who drink of it will never be thirsty. Here we also see the return of the tree of life. John says it is on either side of the river of life. So I would assume that it means the tree is somehow straddling the river, you know, drawing upon the water that flows from the throne. We know that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were given access to the tree of life so that they would have immortality. You see, the tree of life produced a fruit that drew upon the life-giving power of God and allowed anyone who ate it to never age or get sick or die. They were immortal. That is why God banished them from the garden when they sinned, because if they continued to eat from the fruit from the tree, eat the fruit from the tree of life, they would have been stuck in their sin forever. 
by being cut off from the tree of life, the curse of death would take over and run its course. Because of sin, we could no longer have access to the tree of life. This again could be seen, it could be seen only as a judgment, but in fact, it was an act of mercy in the form of judgment. Now, on this new earth, we will be sinless before God once more, and therefore we will be, we will be granted access to the tree of life, just like Adam and Eve were before they sinned. The fruit of this tree gives us life for eternity, and its leaves provide healing for all the nations. We will have flesh and bone, so maybe that means we can get injured. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly, but what is clear is that this tree will provide fruit that allows us to live for eternity in our new bodies, and it provides us a source of healing for any reason that we may need it. So why does God use this tree in order to give us life and healing for eternity? Can he just speak it and poof, we never have to think about it again, we just live forever? Absolutely he could. But the tree of life will serve as a constant reminder that he is the source of life, and we should praise him for that. You see, in eternity, there is a possibility that we would, uh, after some time, forget to praise him for the gift of eternal life. So the tree will help remind us that we are dependent on him, the source of life. This tree will produce 12 crops of fruit, uh, one each month. So there is an indication here that uh, there will be some means of tracking time, and that will be you know, through this cycle of fruit that's produced uh, through the tree of life. You know, And there will be 12 months since there will be 12 cycles or 12 crops that this tree will produce. You know, there's that magic number again, that that, tw- that number 12 again that is so common. You know, now each month, this tree will produce a different crop of fruit. There will be no day or night. So this will be the only way to track the months that John speaks about. And it is likely that it will be used to mar- the, the different um, months will be or the different crops uh, that this tree will produce will be used to mark the times, you know, possibly for different feasts or celebrations or offerings, etc. Other than that, there's no uh, there's no real importance to tracking time, so to speak. So John goes on to say that the curse has been lifted. That is the curse of sin and death. That curse is no more. It is done away with since uh, since you know sin has been destroyed. Once and for all, all unbelief and all sin has been has been destroyed, and death has been defeated and thrown into the lake of fire, like we discussed before. So it's it's all been done away with. Under the curse, all living things would eventually die, and the earth would only produce crops through rigorous labor. You know, there's a lot of work and effort. You know, on this new earth, that curse is gone, and the earth will be easily will it will easily produce the necessary crops, and the world will, uh, and you know. It won't be strenuous or difficult, should I say. You know, the world will not have to labor and toil in order to, you know, produce crops. The earth will do it, you know, with ease, so to speak. And, you know, God and Jesus will reign from the center of the city and his servants will serve him. I'm assuming that also means that that is human and angel alike. Uh, Now, I love what verse 4 says. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. For the first time since before the fall, man will be able to see the face of God and walk in his presence. That will be awesome. Again, John reminds us that there will be no need for a lamp because the only source of light will come from Jesus. 
There will be no shadows because light will exist in all places. There will be no darkness anywhere. Everything will be in the light of his glory. The angel reminds John again that he can trust the words uh, that he has been given and all that he has seen because the same God that spoke to the prophets of old is the same God that has revealed to John what is to come in this book of Revelation. I love the reminder of verse 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll or book. In the, you know, in the big picture of eternity, it is soon. And I believe that the rapture is not far off. But like I said earlier, Jesus promises blessings on those who study this book and embrace its message. John continues by confirming that he, in fact, is the one who heard and saw all that is written in this book. So it is a firsthand account of what God says is to come. John also falls down before an angel, the angel that was showing him all this, but is quickly reminded not to do that because the angel says he is a fellow servant like John. This should also serve to remind us not to place any person or being on an, on an elevated platform, figuratively speaking. No pastor, evangelist, or religious leader uh, should be elevated above any other believer. We are all servants of God, regardless of what purpose we serve. The, uh, then John is told not to seal up the words of this book of prophecy, for the time is near. This is in contrast to what uh, Daniel was told by the angel in his day. And remember, Daniel was told to seal up a portion of what was given to him because the people at that time were not ready for it. But here, John is told not to seal it up. Instead, share the message. However, in spite of the message of this prophecy, John is told that the wicked will continue to be wicked and the good will continue to do good, despite the message, you know, because only the Spirit of God can lead someone to salvation and not everyone will listen or receive what the Spirit tries to show them or tell them. In closing, Jesus tells John that he is coming soon and he will reward each person according to what they have done. Verse 14 is specifically for the believer. Blessed are those who wash the robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. You know, all who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb and put their faith in Him will have eternal life and will be able to enter the presence of God in Jesus. But those who have been thrown into the lake of fire will be outside the city. You know, that's what John is told. And so again, not sure where, but we do know that the lake of fire will be somewhere outside of the city. So Jesus reminds John who he you know who he is essentially talking about the the root of David you know but he also gives one final altar call so to speak reminding us that the gift uh he offers to us and to everyone is free and there's nothing we do to earn it. It is a gift to all those who who choose to receive it. Jen, then Jesus issues a warning regarding this book and by default really the entire Bible because he knew that many would try to pervert its words and alter them from you know alter the words for their own agendas. Jesus warns that anyone who takes away or adds to the words of this book will suffer the plagues of the tribulation and will not enter the new Jerusalem, meaning they will be cast into the lake of fire. You know, only an unbeliever would alter the scriptures. If the spirit is the author, so to speak, you know, of the scriptures and is truly in 
that person or a person, the Spirit would never lead a believer to alter the Scriptures by adding or taking away from what it says. Several times here in this final chapter, Jesus reminds us that He is coming soon, meaning be ready and alert, always looking for His return in the clouds when He will call us home, always ready and presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Let the church say, come. Let us pray for his return, to, you know, for him to come and receive the church, his bride. Okay, guys, with that, we conclude the study of the book of Revelation. And I hope that it has been a blessing uh, for you, uh, like it has been for me. I'm honored to have had the opportunity to share the message of this book with you. Let it speak to you and bless your life. Jesus makes it clear in the conclusion of this final uh, chapter that we shouldn't shy away from this book or from sharing its message. So if you would please share this podcast with anyone who might listen and help me spread the word of God. This makes 55 episodes that I have dedicated to this study. And you know, I'm in some ways I'm mentally just, you know, drained um, because it has taken a lot of work to really uh, study the scriptures to, to even present the book of Revelation and the writings of the prophets that, that are associated with it, you know, to present them in, a, in as easy to understand way as possible. And there's still so much more you can get into if you really want to dig deeper and deeper. But to understand the, the general sense of what this book is saying, that has been my goal. And so with that being said, I'm going to take the next two days off. I'll be back on Friday uh, with you guys. So with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to share the message of this book. And I thank you for guiding me through it. I pray that it blesses all who hear it, and I pray that it speaks to each listener according to what you want them to hear. Bless your people, Lord, and let us praise you all the same. No matter what we face and no matter how you answer our prayers, you are no less God whether you answer our prayers the way we want or not. You are not worthy of our praise because of what you have done for us, but because of who you are. So let us praise you, for you alone are worthy to be praised.